Today on the podcast, we're talking about 80-20 funnel optimization. Now, virtually everyone who has a funnel fails to optimize it properly, and I'm including ourselves here at Authority Hacker in that bucket. That's why today I've brought in my friend, John Ainsworth. He's the owner of Data Driven Marketing. He has over 20 years experience in marketing and he helps course creators to optimize their funnels. And if you're not naturally a salesperson, perhaps you're more comfortable giving value to your audience than turning the screws with high pressure sales copy, then you're gonna get a lot out of this today. So let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Welcome to the show, John. How are you doing today? I am excellent. Thank you very much, Mark. Good to have you here. For the people who don't know you or don't know what you do, when it comes to optimizing funnels and and all that kind of stuff, why should people listen to you? What we do is we help people to find and fix the holes in their funnels. And most people have got way more holes than they have any idea about. So what I can talk through is like the 80-20 of increasing revenue through improving your funnels. So for example, I helped a guy, he's running courses about classical guitar and did an audit with him. He did one day's work. And since then, I interviewed him the other day, he's made two and a half thousand bucks a month, every month from that one day's work, which works out as $40,000 a day, which is the kind of rate that I would like to have. And there's just all these little tricks that online course creators and people running who've got a lot of traffic and are selling physical products, they don't realize they should have in place. And if they put them in place, they can make a bunch more revenue. It's really interesting because we, Gail and I, are online course creators at Authority Hacker. And we're supposed to know quite a bit about online marketing, but I always feel as if our our funnel is a bit of a, a leaky bucket. I think I've heard you use that analogy before. And there's just all these holes in it that you kind of know are there, but you, for whatever reason, it never it's never your focus to, to to fix them. And often I think having someone external come and say, hey, fix this, fix this, fix this, and like give you some kind of structure for for what to do can be uh can be really helpful. So hopefully you can uh inspire us and inspire our listeners today to fix some of those holes. Yeah, totally. We worked with someone the other day and we had if you know exactly where to look and exactly what numbers to look at it's incredible how simple it can be to make the changes so there was one point in someone's funnel on their checkout page we looked at the number and we're like oh that's wrong that doesn't add up that doesn't make any sense and we're like okay change that to match this template and he changed it and it took him a day or two something like that and they 3x the conversion rate of that course and it's like if you just know exactly where to look, these things are they're just there waiting for you. And like, like you said, it's, it is like using a leaky bucket or it's like driving with the brakes on or it's, there's just, there's people have done all the hard work and there's just this stuff waiting for them, the revenue they deserve to get. If you just know where to look. All right. So if we're that person, where should, where should one start? Yeah, so there's three things that are the easiest to do. So I'm going to focus particularly on online course creators because that's my world, that's my clients. But a lot of this stuff works just the same if you're doing e-commerce, if you're selling physical products, whatever as well. So the three things the easiest ones to do are increase the revenue per sale, increase the percentage of your email subscribers who buy each month, and increase the number of email subscribers. Now, I think everybody pretty much can get on board with the idea that if you had more revenue per sale, more of your email list bought each month and you had a bigger email list that jobs are good and you know that you're going to be making a bunch more money from it it's like 
That's nice, John. What exactly do you do? I kind of get it's probably what most people are thinking, but that's the basic starting point. And most people don't, a lot of people are not focused on their email list enough in terms of making a lot of revenue. So I really want to kind of hammer on that a little bit because everybody we see who is crushing it with online course sales is doing it through their email list. The bulk of their revenue comes from their email list. And so focusing on that, that's why I kind of wanted to mention about that in particular to start with is it's absolutely crucial to really understand that that's an area to work on. Do you feel that email as a medium has kind of diminished in effectiveness over time? Like I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was, it was much easier with fewer emails. There's deliverability issues. People are just a, a bit more, I guess, jaded when it comes to promotions coming into their, their email. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I've heard a lot of people say that recently. What, what's your thoughts? So I think to a certain extent, it's probably true. There is more email getting sent. There is hard, it is harder to get into the inbox. It is harder to make the sale through that than it was. I haven't looked historically at the numbers. You know, what was it like five, 10 years ago to see if it's, it's definitely true, but it's pro- that's probably true. And yet email is still the place that I see people make the most revenue by far who are really, really crushing it with this. And it doesn't mean that you know you can't do Facebook retargeting or you can't do anything else, but this is the area that still works the best for almost everybody. It's still where the bulk of the sales come in. So what it was like five or 10 years ago is, is kind of irrelevant because it's this is still what's working the best now. Absolutely. And I remember 11 years ago when I started this, I, I heard someone say the money is in the list. And I think that still yeah. largely reigns, reigns true today. I mean, yeah. most, I think all successful course creators, product creators um, have spend considerable amount of energy on the on the list but if you're so you're coming into a business and you want to kind of make the fastest quickest changes initially to get a client some results say you talked about increasing the revenue per sale as as yeah. one of the first things you do how do you do that what are the steps people should should look to take and do you have any examples of how that might look like in, in an actual website yeah for sure so This is the easiest thing to do for most people. A lot of people haven't got this in place. And if they put it in place, they can get the additional results the fastest out of anything. So there's two ways to do it, upsells and order bumps. So the way that you then, what those mean for anybody who doesn't know those terms, an order bump is the easiest one to do. And an order bump is where you have on your checkout page a tick box for an additional product that goes with what you are selling. So let's say you're selling a course, the order bump could be some additional worksheets, or it could be some templates that go with it. Or if you're selling worksheets, it could be a course that goes with it. Or um, we've seen someone who was selling a course and then they had a Q&A session with people who'd already gone through the course about what their biggest problems were and how they solved them. And that was the additional product. It's something that like just goes alongside with what you're selling. And the reason it's the easiest one to do is because you only have to write two sentences on the checkout page to go with it to sell this. And people just cannot believe the percentage of people who who buy these order bumps. It's about 60 to 70% when you get it just right. And all you've done is put two sentences in a tick box and put a price on that. And that's that's it. And th- this is not mentioned anywhere else on your, your sales page. Uh, it's just on the on the cart where, where they, they have that tick box, right? Yeah, exactly. People are just there in the buying mentality. They're like, oh, that's perfect. That looks like it's going to go with it. That's a great deal. They're only offering this, whatever it is, 30, 40% off right now. I'll get that as well. 
and they add it into the cart and, and check out as well. So that's the first one is the order bump. And the second one is the upsell. And the upsell is so someone's put their credit card details in, they've checked out the next page, they then see a video or a sales page for an additional product. So if you're in the language learning space, for example, if you have, you're selling the beginner's level course, you have the intermediate level course on the next page, or you have the beginner level course, you also sell a bundle of all of your courses, or you're selling a challenge and you say, well, why not buy the whole bundle of everything? Or you have a monthly membership and on the upsell page, you have the annual membership and someone could get a discount if they buy it all now. If you're in the e-commerce space, you've just sold a t-shirt on the upsell page, put three t-shirts, get three of the same thing you just bought. So it's, it's really, really straightforward in terms of, oh, that makes sense as the next step. And what you really want to have this set up as is a one-click upsell, which is doable in most course creation systems. It's doable for most people selling on e-commerce using as a plugin for Shopify called Zipify that allows you to do it. There's all kinds of relatively straightforward ways to set it up. And about 15 to 30% of people who buy something will then buy the upsell that goes with it. So we had a client who, I talked her through this and she had a promotion going out the next day and she went home and she spent about an hour setting up her upsell in uh, Teachable it was. And she made an extra 1500 bucks the next day from that hour's work. Like this, it, and that wasn't, it's not perfect. It wasn't the ideal sales page. It wasn't the absolute ideal product probably. But you just, if you put these things in place, people will buy and they will give you more money. Yeah, I mean, you, you said earlier about the, the order bumps. We actually tried that out last year, uh, two years ago, sorry, with a course launch we were doing. We put in a order bump and it was just, I think it was like, 30 extra templates or, or, or something like that for link building outreach. And uh, we got nowhere near 60%. I think we had a 35% uptake. Mm-hmm. So maybe the, the positioning wasn't right or the price point wasn't right or, or, or something wasn't, wasn't ideal. But even then, like if we're yeah. half as good as we should be, that's one in three people essentially paying an extra 100 bucks or whatever it was for each checkout. And that adds up really, really quickly considering how, how little work it is. And if you're anything like our business, you probably have extra resources, videos, stuff you've you've worked on before lying around anyway that wouldn't be too difficult to, you know, create content for for something like that. Um, I wanted to to talk as well about price. Like, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on using like price, not of the upsells or the order bumps, but just of the core product as a way of increasing revenue? Do you think? Course creators charge too much, not enough. They should be charging more. So there's a particular kind of course creator that I tend to work with. And that is, I think they're kind of similar to people in your audience. It's people who are focused. They're first and foremost a teacher. They're somebody who wants to share information. They want to help people. And those people generally price too low. So on average, in on the whole, they tend to price too low. So I'm working with someone at the moment. He's selling home recording courses about how to you know have a home recording studio and he's told me he's already increased his prices a couple of times and i'm looking at it i'm like dude you need to put them up again and he's like oh so another like 20 percent i'm like yeah can we double them because i think really this is just way too cheap like if you look through the numbers if you see how many people go to your site and buy the courses directly not through an email promotion, not having got to know you better through all of the content you send out via email, just they go onto your sales page and they buy it. There's no discount. If that's really high, if you're getting a lot of people doing that, then probably your course price is too low. Because what we see, the majority of people who are really crushing it 
are doing is they don't make many sales on the site of their course. They're not really, people aren't just going on and buying. They're getting onto the email list. And then when there's a promotion, there's a discount of 30, 40, 50% at some point, that's when they buy. And those are the people who are making it, are killing this. If people just go onto your site and buy at full price, and it's like, probably that price is too low. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like there's kind of two types of course creators. Like there's the people that want to create a course to make money. And then there's the people that build an audience because they're kind of interested in something and then yeah. look to monetize that by building a course kind of as a secondary thing. And the latter type of people seem to be, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say the former are unethical, but like they tend to be more kind of money focused and so tend to start with with higher prices and, and, and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember we were chatting about that a couple of weeks ago when we had a call before this and that was the first time I kind of thought about those two like groups of people in, in, in that way. Yeah, the fear I think people have is that they either need to be an asshole or they need to be a loser. And if only there was some third option, you know, where you could actually be a really good person, create really good courses and make good money from it. And it turns out there is. It's just you can, you know, you can set these things up and you can make money through these funnels, even if you're a really good person. And it's it's awesome to see those people start to make the kind of money that they really should. Because it's like they've been spending years honing their craft, getting good at teaching people about something, making amazing content, building an audience. And it's like, this is just waiting for you to put this stuff in place. And then you can you can double your revenue a lot of times. What do you think about payment plans? Yeah, payment plans is good. We often use them as a, a downsell. Mm-hmm. So we'll have the full priced offer. And then if you don't buy then we offer the payment plan. Sometimes we do the payment plan up front. I know that you do for your your premium course, don't you? We've done it both ways. So with the authority site system, we have a funnel. And when you, at the moment, at least when you go through it, there's a, a deadline funnel style discount offer. And then if you reject that or you don't take take us up on it, you then get put into mini funnel where you you get a payment plan offer. So we're only offering payment plans there to people who have not bought at the full price. When we do our launches for Authority Hacker Pro, we have both pricing on the sales page and you know the cart has has two options. We we actually push the payment plan as the the primary offer. So we haven't actually done enough analytics on this to to determine which one is best to to be honest with you, but yeah, I guess you could do it both ways. Yeah, I haven't got a huge amount of data on that. I heard a really great story from somebody once about how they accidentally put the payment plan as being, I think, slightly less than the actual full price when you added it all up. And then just everybody jumped on it and they sold way more than they were expecting you because everybody felt like they'd taken advantage of them and kind of got this this crazy good deal. So they were like, huh, maybe I'll always do that. So I've never tried that. That kind of feels a bit weird to me. But... Yeah, payment plans are, are great for downsell, for definite. Like we do that with a, we did that with a client who was selling courses about digital painting, and we would offer the full price membership for a year, and then it would downsell to monthly, and then we'd do a downsell to a fourteen day trial for one dollar. And tons of people took up the fourteen day trial, and then a lot of them stuck around afterwards. It was something like thirty percent, and if you really nail it with the with a membership, you should get about fifty percent of people sticking around afterwards. So that's a great downsell. The disadvantage with leading with that is there's a bunch of people who will just pay you everything up front for the whole year and you lose out on some of those then 
won't stick around for the year or they if they go with monthly or if you need the cash flow because you're running ads into this as well then that doesn't really add up so well you kind of want to get the money up front so so a lot of times we'll do it as a downsell but it's yeah it's totally valid if you think it's going to make it easier for people to buy why not sure uh, okay so anything else on increasing revenue any tactics that you you have that's the easiest ones. Like those order bumps and upsells is like the easiest ones to start with for definite. There's a bunch of other things. And a lot of it is around trying to get the pricing right, trying to get the, you know, analyze what is it that people are likely to pay? How long are they likely to stick around for? If you do, for example, if you do a monthly membership and on average people stick around for five months, you can afford to offer the annual membership for the cost of six or seven months, because then on average it's going to get your, your people up to, to sticking around for longer. And a lot of those people, if they go onto an, if anybody goes onto an annual plan, some of them are going to renew on the annual as well, and so they're going to get you're going to get more revenue from their long term. But in terms of like the eighty twenty things, the things I would say to people: start with this. Do not pass go until you have done these things. Upsells and order bumps, without a doubt, they are the fastest, easiest thing to get started with. I wanted to ask you a question about recurring revenue, actually, because our model thus far has been, I mean, we, we did actually offer our products as a membership like six years ago when we, we first started doing them as a monthly membership, but we moved away from that and we ended up doing a one-off fee. So no annual recurring, just you, you pay and you're in like for life. So all the new blueprints we release, people who bought last year or the year before or whatever, get them for free as well. Now, part of me feels like this is this is good because you know it's, it's a very attractive value proposition and it gets people in long term we have loads of raving fans and yeah it feels good but other part of me is like well are we leaving money on the table here because there's not that you know people have nothing else to buy from us kind of thing yeah so the reason why upsells is the generally the easiest thing to make more money from is there is a percentage of your email list there's a percentage of your customers who want to spend more money with you they want to pay more money to get the premium version of it. They want to get something extra. And if you go to Perry Marshall's got a tool called 8020curve.com, you can put in your existing how many people are buying, how much they're paying, and it's going to tell you how many people would then pay X amount of money. So if you go to Starbucks, you can buy a regular coffee or you can buy a fancy coffee or you can buy a coffee machine for 2000 bucks because there's a percentage who will spend that extra money. If you go to the football stadium, you can buy a regular ticket or you can buy a, a bunch of beers and stuff as well, or you can rent a whole box, you know, and that's going to cost whatever, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's always people who are willing to spend more money. So I generally, my attitude is find a way to let those people spend more money with you if they, re if they already really want to. How do you do that, though, without selling your time or, or spending ages creating like a, a new tier of product or something? Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? So there's a couple of ways that I that I see that and they different ones work for different people. So for you, if you had the an offer of like if you want to get our upgraded version of our course, then you can spend a bit of extra money every time and get the upgraded version. That seems like there's a, a clear, easy, a bunch of people would spend that money. And then what you're saying is the downside to that for you is maybe our fans wouldn't be quite so raving and we wouldn't get quite so much word of mouth if we had that in place. You could have affiliate offers of other things that, you know, people who buy from you, maybe they also would like to buy a service that goes with that for the done for you from somebody else who you're connected with. 
and you see like um see James Shramko started doing this a lot more in uh, in his offers and um, Perry Marshall as well where they're promoting other people who do the done for you side of things or you can have some things that are you know you might normally think oh I'll just put all of that into the regular course and you can have okay this is the regular course but because we know we're going to get a bunch of extra money we can afford to spend more time on making this additional thing that's going to go with it as well. Or you could sell other people's courses as well that are maybe a company you're, what you're offering to that would fit really well. So for example, we have a coaching program around helping people to make more money through their funnels, but we don't do Facebook ads. So we then can also sell somebody else's course that's about Facebook ads that goes with it as well. So there's a whole bunch of angles for it. And like when we're working with clients, a huge amount of our time is figuring out that answer like what offers fit what do you put where how do you split all of these bits up that's why i say that's not one of the easiest bits to do it's the what have you already got that you could just upsell people to just put something like that in place and start there and then because what i see is people get caught up in all of this they're like well what about this and do i change that and it's like oh you've just invented a six-month project that might not work why don't we start with just putting order bumps and upsells in place and have something that's like okay, that's going to work. We'll make a bit more money. Cool. We'll come back to the other stuff later. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so let's move on and talk about getting our email subscribers to actually buy. I know from personal experience, I hate selling. Like I hate being that like high pressure, hey, you know, like the cheesy American dude, hey, you got to buy this and here's how much value it's going to give you and, and all that stuff. It's not really in my nature. I think we've gotten better at it over time but I see an awful lot of people who have really good sites, really good audi- really big audience and a really good product which is pretty like fair value but they're like afraid to afraid to sell, afraid to send too many emails or they're afraid to annoy their their audience. How do yeah. you get over mentally? How do you get over that hurdle mentally? Yeah, so I see this a lot. This is one of the most common mental blocks that people have they worry if i send more emails to people it's going to annoy them so what we do is we use i start everybody with this one tactic which is super straightforward and works really really reliably and course creators are really comfortable with as well so it's about sending more regular and more charming email promotions so we're trying to find a way of sending content that the person who's sending it, the course creator, is going to feel great about. They're going to feel really comfortable. They're going to feel like, oh, I actually like sending this. And therefore, they're going to be willing to send more regular promotions. And to give an idea with a promotion, if somebody has got a bunch of courses, then what we recommend doing is sending a promotion every two weeks. So two promotions a month, probably. And you can do more if you've got, let's say you've only got three or four products that you could sell then you could do one a month. Most people are doing quite a lot less than that. If you've got, I've got a client at the moment, he's got 10. And so we're doing one every two weeks and then repeating every whatever that will be five, every five months. Now, in order to be able, in order to feel comfortable with sending more email promotions, what we need is to have a system that feels comfortable. And this was come up with by a friend of mine called Shona Beckwith. And she is an absolute sweetheart. And she runs a language learning site called Perfect English Grammar. And she wanted, I told her she needed to start sending more email promotions. And she kind of didn't want to, she didn't feel comfortable. So the tactic she came up with was every email, she does two promotions a month. And every email has got useful content in it from the course that she's selling. So she's taken one tiny little tip, something that people can go through in two, three, maximum five minutes. 
and she puts that tip into the email. She starts out every email with uh, something personal. So the weather in London today is probably raining. And then, <laughs> and then she gives the tip. Oh, and then she says, we've got a discount on this course this week, 30% off. Then she gives the tip. Then at the bottom, she gives another reminder that there's this discount this week. Maybe a testimonial or something that goes with it. Makes her feel totally comfortable because every email she's giving value, she's teaching. And then that's five days in a row she'll do that for one course. And then on the sixth day, she'll have one email that says, this is the last chance. The cart's closing in three hours, what have you. Does that a couple of times a month. Changing from doing one promotion a month to two like that allows her to double her revenue from 10K a month to 20K a month just from doing that. She's now testing doing that four times a month because she's more comfortable with it. She's more. That is not the email promotion that is going to convert the absolute best. But what I found is that it's much more important to send more often than it is to send the perfect email promotion. Yeah. On average, done, we done is seen, better than perfect. Right, exactly. And only sending, you know, two times a year that's great versus two times a month that's okay, the the difference is enormous. So we've seen 0.1 to 0.7% of an email list will buy any time we've sent a promotion. I've heard people talk about getting above 1%, getting like 2 or 3%. But then those people are saying, oh, that only worked for a little while. It generally is around this 0.1 to 0.7%. So if you get 0.2% twice a month and you do that every month, that's way better than having one that gets a 0.7% every three months or something. It's just night and day difference. I was going to say, I, I love that tactic as well because, first of all, it resonates with me. Like, uh, I don't have to come up with some like super cheesy salesy email. Mm. You just like, do what I do, write about content. Yeah create content and then it, it will kind of like do the selling. But it also, it's easy because I've already done the hard work of whatever lesson or module it is in the, the, the course, like figuring out how to teach that. And I'm just taking that and I guess giving it in a more concise way. Uh, but I don't have to think about what to say. I'm just kind of rewriting stuff I already have. So it makes it even easier. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's simple, it's easy, people feel comfortable with it, the audience like it. Unsubscribes, not a problem. Spam complaints, not a problem. There's nobody who unsubscribes when they're getting a useful tip in their email every day. It just it just doesn't happen. We actually have seen occasionally email, unsubscribe rates go down rather than up from doing this. It's awesome. And you make more money. Like, everyone's a winner. I find some people are very, very focused, too focused, in fact, on their unsubscribe on the number of subscribers in their list and their unsubscribe rate. I was talking to a guy a couple of years ago and uh, he created what was a pretty good good product and he wanted to promote it to his list and he hadn't sold it to them previously. But he was very sort of cautious about it and got them to opt into another specific sales list, sub list that he, he had because in his own words, he didn't want to lose subscribers and miss out on potentially monetizing them at some point in the future. And I was like, dude, this is that point in the future when you're supposed <laughs> to be doing that. So I think it's quite a common problem. Yeah. What I used to do is I would try and convince people that they shouldn't worry about it and that the reason they have an email list is in order to be able to make some money from it. And that's the point. And what I found was I was I felt like I was beating my head against a brick wall. So I just decided to avoid that completely by explaining to people how they can do emails in a way that doesn't lead to unsubscribes, where people actually like getting it. And this isn't, like I said, this isn't the approach that is going to lead to the highest revenue overall. But if you do it, then that's way better than having something perfect that you're not willing to do. 
So I suggest to everybody start with this and then later on you can start to go, or maybe I'd be more comfortable adding in another sales tactic here, maybe a testimonial or a case study here or starting doing some storytelling that helps to make the sale or what have you. But it's like, that's okay. That That's not the easiest thing. Start with this. You can do this. So what are some of those, like the perfect sales sequence or the perfect uh, sales funnel? What What does that actually look like? Wow. Okay. So we're well out of the 80-20 zone here into the really full on stuff. Okay. So if you're going to do a launch for a more expensive program, you want to really promote it and make a whole bunch of money from it. What you start with maybe a month in advance is useful content that is going to help to deal with people's limiting beliefs, their false beliefs that would stop them from buying from you. So job number one is you have to figure out what is it that they believe about the world that would stop them buying your product? What is it that you need them to believe in order to think that buying your product is the, the perfect next step for them? It has to be true. And you share con- uh, content that helps with that. So it could be case studies, it could be examples, it could be stories from your own life, what have you. You do that for a month, so there's no pitching, there's no saying, you're just trying to change their worldview. Okay, just might not belong in that sentence. You're trying to change their worldview to understand why this area, this topic, this approach that you take is so valuable. Then you have a promotion of a webinar. So you promote a webinar that you're going to do, and the webinar goes into more detail on those topics and explains to them why this approach is the right one, why your course is done in a certain way. Without ever pitching, you're just explaining this concept. You're trying to get people to buy into this approach. Then at the end of the webinar, you transition into promoting with an early bird offer for what you're selling. So you have the early bird offer, you have the chance to buy it at a discount, maybe with some bonuses right away. You have a great guarantee that you put in there as well. That cart closes. Then you move into the regular email promotion to your whole email list where you promote out to everybody without that huge early bird discount, just the regular promotion. You promote that for a while, you're going to have a number of different things in that you're telling people about the benefits and you're telling them about the features, but then you're also dealing with objections. You're giving, you know, this is what issue you might be concerned about. This is why that's going to be okay. So it's not going to work for people like me. So you include a case study. What if I'm not happy with it? So you include a guarantee. What if whatever else, you can have a long FAQ question. Andy Fawcett, who runs GMB, it's a fitness courses site. He has a 3,000 word email he sends out in one of those sequences, which nobody reads all of it, but it's got every question you might want answered and it's all answered in there somewhere. And the right people will read through and find the answer and be like, oh, cool, this is going to work for me. And they'll go ahead and buy. Then what we move on to, cart close on that, then cart open again for a payment plan. So you say, okay, some people didn't buy it, so now at that price, we're concerned about the price, might be in the issue. So then you open the cart again, have a payment plan, and then you close the cart again on that. There's a few other things extra you can throw in as well. Challenges work great as a way of warming up your whole audiences, doing Facebook Lives during that whole period. All of that is difficult, and it's stressful, and it's exhausting, and it works like gangbusters. It works amazingly well. We've got a, uh, an ex-client, he was doing an amazing job with this, and he did a $200,000 launch from, from using all of those tactics. It's fantastic, but it's also is, you have to know going into it, it's tiring. I think as well, a lot of people are like, oh, that's there's so much to do there, and they maybe put it off or, or don't even get started because they think they need all of that in order to do a launch, in order to sell a product, because that's what the internet marketers say, or that's what everyone else does. But yeah. the vast majority of people, like they don't even do half of that, and they still have you know pretty good amount of success. Yeah, if you just do one of those bits, 
it improves it. And then what you, the thing a lot of people don't get is you reuse this stuff. You do the same launch. If you do that, if you decide you want to do launches, you do that launch every six months, let's say. And every time that you do it, you improve the system a little bit. You add in another step to you. Right, cool. This time we've got the webinar written. We know how to do that. This time we're also going to do the challenge. Or this time we're also going to do some Facebook Lives. Or we're going to tweak that little bit that didn't work so well last time. And we're going to, but apart from that, we're going to use the same emails. We're going to have the same presentation. We're going to have all of those parts of the same. And over the years, you build this up. Like Amy Porterfield makes millions of dollars from her launches, from the courses she's selling. But she built that up over years, getting better and better at it each time that she does it. What are the challenges you mentioned? What, what, what's that? So the idea with the challenge is you're trying to get people on board with the idea that they can do this. So, for example, the digital painting guy, what he's doing is he's running a challenge for a week about portraits, digital painting portrait. And during that week, you're given an exercise to do to paint a portrait on your iPad or whatever you're using. And you get feedback from him and you get input and everybody's working on it for a week. And there's a course that goes with it for that week that's available. And he's on Facebook and he's giving feedback to everybody and he's building up all this trust and all this authority with people. And the point of it, the reason you're doing this is to convince people they can succeed. You're helping them to do this one small thing so that when it comes time to buy the course, which is for a much bigger topic... Then they're like, oh, I believe I can actually do this. And I like the guy and I trust him and I can see that he knows what he's talking about and I can see his content's great. We had a client that was selling something around social media. They were going to teach a tactic for social media that was going to get you in more clients. And so the challenge was, okay, we're just going to use one little tactic from in this and we're going to teach that and you're going to do that for a week and you're going to see results from it. And at the end of that, we're going to say, we've got this whole course that teaches you 18 tactics and is going to get you 10 times better results but you believe it now because you've been through the process. That's really smart, actually. It's kind of like giving, a, I mean, you are giving away some some content for mm. free, but you're actually taking people along on that journey, not just, here's a bunch of content. They're like engaging yeah. with you. I like that, actually. You might have to try something like that for an upcoming launch. Okay, so we talked about increasing the revenue for sale and we talked about getting your subscribers to buy. I guess the, the last thing is getting more subscribers, right? Mm-hmm. How yeah. do we do that? So there's two different areas that work for most people, I think, in your audience. One is on, increasing on-site opt-ins, and the other one is increasing number of people who are sent to lead magnets from off-site. So if we go through the on-site one first, it is pretty straightforward. There's just a bunch of work that goes with There's a number of steps to go through to do it. Actually, there's three tactics. The, the, this one is so easy, it's mind-boggling. Turn off double opt-in. Most, lots of people have double opt-in turned on, because they don't want to have people on their email list who aren't opening those emails. What that means is someone has to open that very first email and click the link in order to get onto your list. What if they just get busy that day and they don't click the link? That's it. They never get any other emails from you. And some people, totally out of those people, are totally interested and would love to be on your list and would buy stuff from you. And if you just turn off double opt-in and you can have a way of, you know, cleaning your list every 30 days or a couple of months or what have you so that you get rid of the ones who weren't a good fit and the email didn't work. But just turn that off and we've seen seen people double their number of email subscribers per month just from turning that off. And revenue went up about 20%, something in that kind of ballpark. So that's the first one. That is super easy. The second one, though, in terms of increasing on-site opt-ins, most people don't know what their opt-in rate is. And mostly people are between about 0.5 and 1%. 
from virtually everybody we've seen, and most people are about that stage. As a rule of thumb, good is about 2%, great is 5%, best we've ever seen is 75 Some people, for them, the highest they'll be able to get to is 3.5%. Other people can get to that 75 but that kind of gives you a range. And the ways you can do that are, easiest one, set up a pop-up, site-wide pop-up after 30 seconds, or an exit pop, or if people have scrolled to a certain amount down the page, something along those kind of lines, having a pop-up. I'll uh, just, just interrupt you there to tell our audience about the podcast Gail and I did a couple months ago about pop-ups, which I'll link to the top of this YouTube video as well. So if you guys want to learn more about that, check that out as well. But continue, please. Cool. The second one that almost nobody does is inline opt-in forms in blog posts. And for your audience, I think this is like going to make a huge difference. So the idea is, in the blog post, you've got a ton of people who will go from Google or YouTube or whatever they're finding your content, they go to the blog post and they're reading through it. And on there, at no point do you ask them for their email address. So there's you're going to have a pop-up, but then halfway through the content, you put in a button. They can click the button and it brings the pop-up up and then they can put in their email address. So you're promoting your best lead magnet. If you want to get really smart on this, you have different lead magnets on different blog posts, depending on what, what topic the blog post is about and what lead magnet fits with it. But you don't have to have that. That's like ninja level stuff. What you just need is to have it on every blog post. If you've got so many blog posts that that sounds like an enormous bit of work and you don't want to do it, do an 80-20 analysis. So start off by going into Google Analytics, finding which pages are the most visited. Start at the top. Work your way down the list. And that's what we did. We had a client who had so many pages that there was no way we could do this for everything without it taking like a month or two. So we just started by doing it with the 100 most regular visited pages. And I think got her opt-in rate up from about 0.5 to about 1.5, 1.6%, some of that with these, these two tactics on their own. Awesome. Okay. So then the next one is having a sidebar opt-in form. So if you have a sidebar on your blog posts, put an opt-in form in there. And what works, what tends to work beautifully well is if that stays sticky on the side. So as people scroll down, that, that sidebar stays there and they always have that opt-in form available. And that's it. If you do those things, that is like the 80-20 of it. If you want to get really ninja on it, then you can make the lead magnets match with the blog posts. You can have better lead magnets, figure out what's going to work better for your audience. But don't start with that. Just have whatever you've already got make people see it in more places. A good tactic we used there was we created a lead magnet, which is a webinar, and it covers like five different subtopics. So you don't need to create different lead magnets for different categories or different blog posts. You just have one lead magnet, but the opt-in can just say, like it highlights everything it, it includes, but it focuses on like one area which is related to the blog post. So it feels more, you know, relevant to 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 the, the the specific blog post and that actually helped conversions quite significantly as well nice what you'll see interestingly with webinars is the opt-in rate tends to be a bit lower because it's more of a commitment from people they've got it they're committing to spend an hour but each of those people tends to be worth more to you because if someone will go through an hour then at the end you can make a pitch for a really you know a more expensive product and a higher percentage of people will buy it so that's kind of worth knowing going into it with those numbers I mentioned at the start. Like you're likely to have a lower number if you've got a webinar as the front end, but they're fantastic. I love webinars. What makes a good lead magnet then? Okay, so if you want to increase your opt-in rate the most, you want something that is going to be very easily consumable. And What, what does that mean? Like five minutes, 15 minutes? Yeah, almost no work. 
on the part of the person. So not not training, like a cheat sheet or a template or something that they can just take and use without having to actually do any studying or figuring out or what have you themselves. That's the stuff that tends to work the best. There's some work done by digital marketer around lead magnets where they they did some research into what ones tend to work the absolute best. And they found that being really specific, like for example, they do something for people who are like preppers and they had how to grow an, enough food for a family of six in 18.64 square feet. And it was like, a, you know, it's like unbelievably specific. And they found that kind of thing tend to work really, really well. It seems to make it more believable. Did that digital painting co- company I mentioned before, they have brushes, digital brushes that you can just download. And so you download it and then you've got it. You don't have to do anything extra to learn how to use it. You already know how to use the brushes, but now you've just got this additional thing. So that st- kind of stuff tends to work really, really well. Cheat sheets, templates, swipe files, that kind of thing. One thing that, that we do a lot, on our podcast uh, is we mention, and I'm going to mention it now, uh, authorityhackertraining.com. So we we bought a separate domain, and there's nothing on it; it just redirects to like authority hack uh, to our landing page for our webinar training sign up on Authority Hacker. But it's just it's much easier to say on mm-hmm. the podcast or on a video rather than you know authorityhacker.com forward slash lp forward slash this dash this or whatever and we've had we we tried to we have quite a few people coming through that just because it's, it's a bit more kind of catchy as well so one of the reasons as well why i i feel like your brand name should be very easy to get correctly when you hear it i'll give you an example of this so our previous company we had an agency it was called hire click h-i-g-h-e-r click you know but so many people thought it was higher, like H-I-R-E, click. Uh, one of my friends has the, the number four instead of the word four in his domain name. And it's just like, it's a nightmare because uh, you, you can't kind of use these, these taxes and it's just people don't, don't, don't catch it so easily. There's a, a blog about Apple technology called Six Colors from a guy called Jason Snell. And he bought the domain and then he's like, ah, oh, British people spell colors differently. Damn it! Uh, so he bought that domain as well, and then redirected it to go to the to the regular one. Yeah, that's a nightmare. <laughs> I, I feel really bad for anyone who's in the the aluminium or aluminium industry <laughs> as, as as well. I know that's another big one. Okay, what type of products work the best? Like, if I want to make a course about something, like what what should I put in it? What should you put in the course? Okay. Yeah. Because we have we have quite a few subscribers, quite a few listeners who they have a content based websites, right? But they're mostly monetizing through through affiliate at the moment. Um, how do you how do you know where you should put your energy in? What what should be in the course? Which topics you should include? How you should structure it in order to be most attractive to potential customers? Yeah, I'd say this is not my top area of expertise because I'm mostly helping people who they've got a course and they're like. I don't go in and suggest them about what they do about it. But oh, I mean, I which ones I've have seen, you seen work particularly yeah. well? The ones that I see work the best is ones that are solving a problem that people have already got. And people already know, right, I need to get this problem solved. The world has convinced them that this problem needs solving. And then they turn up with a course that actually solves it. So there's a lady called Liz Wilcox, and she sells courses about RV maintenance. Now, she doesn't know anything about maintaining an RV. She's never even changed a tire on a bike, 
but she was writing about RVs and people, and she asked everybody, what's the biggest problem you've got? What do you want sorted? And people said, I want to know how to maintain my RV. So she hired someone to make a course about RV maintenance and then sold that. She's, she's an email marketer. She's like, I know how to sell stuff, but I don't know anything about the, the topic. And what we've seen with clients before is if they've got, if they're teaching like a hobby skill, if they, if there's a business angle to it, if there's a way of turning that hobby into a way of making money, then that tends to work amazingly well because there's a bunch of people in the audience who will spend much more money to solve that problem, to make more, make more revenue from it. The people who we see making the, the highest per customer tend to be in the B2B space. You know, someone who is, who is selling, how do you make more money as a financial advisor running your financial advisor business? They can make a lot more revenue per person than someone selling like a language learning course. Because it's seen as more an investment in that case rather than a, a cost or a purchase. Yeah, absolutely. And they make their money back. It's very easy to convince someone to spend money if they're going to make double the money back again in a relatively short time, if they, if they believe that's true. And um, yeah, so that's the kind of things that we've seen work really well. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing I just always see is, is their product market fit? Like, is this something that people really want? If you are trying to convince somebody that they need this problem solved, you have made yourself a hard problem. You've, you've made yourself a bad situation. There's just no need for it. There are problems in the world that people are staying up at night. They are losing sleep over getting this problem solved, sorting this out, making this work. They're frustrated. They're annoyed. This is building up. And if you can solve one of those problems, your life's going to be a lot easier. Like if you were selling burgers, you had the dodgiest burger van in town and it's gross and it's disgusting, but you turn up outside a nightclub that's not had any food in there all night at three in the morning when they're all closing, you have got a starving crowd and they will buy your burgers. It does not matter how dodgy they are. So you can have, you don't have to have the perfect product if you're solving something that people really want solved. I think that's why the, uh, the average kebab shop shuts at 3am or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten some of those and I never felt good about it, but I, I needed that burger. I needed that at kebab. At the time, yeah. Got right place, right time. Okay, great. Uh, is, is there anything that I, I haven't asked you about this stuff, which, which I, I maybe should have? Yeah, so there's one more thing people can do to increase their email subscribers that works really easily. And that is if you've got traffic from off-site, so you're on YouTube or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever, point people from there to your lead magnets. Now, what happens if you have a lead magnet page, so a page specifically for that lead magnet you link to, like your um, authorityhackertraining.com, if you're pointing someone straight there, if they've gone from somewhere else, from a different site to get to it, you're going to have an off-the-chart opt-in rate. We tend to see about 70 to 80% opt-in rate on those pages when it's come from off-site, whereas a normal opt-in rate from on-site is 30 or 40%. So just get those people over to those lead magnets. So if you're doing YouTube videos, have a promotion of the lead magnet, mention it in the video, put something at the beginning, put something at the end, have something in the show in the notes underneath as a pin note under it, have a little ad within what you're, you know, within what you're um, offering within what you're teaching in the, in the video. If you've got a podcast, do the same thing. Have something at the beginning, have something at the end, pointing people to your lead magnet. Like you say with authority hacker training, you're pointing people to it on a regular basis, reminding them about it, put it in the show notes. That is where you've got your traffic source on YouTube or podcast or whatever, but you want to get them into your email list to buy. So you've got to get them in there somehow. You have to remind them of your lead magnets. 
Awesome. I really, really love talking about this stuff. It's, I find it super, super interesting. And, uh, I feel like it's something more marketers should pay attention to, like specifically like con- content type marketers because of yeah. what we said earlier, that like fear of too much selling. And like, I think the tactics we've, we've talked about today, they're, they're not really like hard selling people. They're just kind of optimizing. You're probably leaky bucket funnel as it, as it were. But if, if anyone's sort of been listening and thinking, I need some help with this, how and what, what exactly do you typically do to, to assist people? What does your company do for them? Yeah, we have a group coaching program, which works for most people. And so anybody who's more entry level, anyone who's under say $20,000 a month, this is like the starting point. This is what we find is we're able to help most people to double their revenue. Most people can double their revenue by putting in place the tactics from our group coaching. So if anybody's interested in that, just drop us an email, john at datadrivenmarketing.co. And I can talk you through all the details and explain kind of how it all works. But it's basically a six-week program where we go through all of these tactics and help people to actually put it in place. And we can give examples. And we've got teams who are supporting with it. And we've got an answer every question, you know, a whole thing to support everyone with it. If somebody's just a bit more curious and they want to know, well, what kind of results could I get then we've also got a calculator. So they can go to datadrivenmarketing.co slash calculator, put in their numbers, and they're going to get an estimate of about how much extra revenue they could make. It's quite scary when you start putting in the numbers and uh, and you see just how, how much you're you're leaving on the table with this and how a 0.5% increase in uh, opt-in rates or a 20% increase in your uh, conversion rate can, can actually make such a big big impact over, over a period of time. So so go check out. What was the URL again? Datadrivenmarketing.co oh, co. slash calculator. Okay, yeah. cool. We'll put that in the show notes for everyone who's listening to the audio version as well. Okay, John, well, really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks very much for your, your time and sharing your knowledge and, and insights with us. Are you on social media as well? Should people go anywhere to follow you? Or Yeah, I'm on, on social media. I'm mostly active in our Facebook group, the advanced okay. online course creators, people can come join us in there. Apart from that, I'm not so much of a social butterfly outside of that. Okay. And that's a free group as well? It's a free group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. We'll, we'll link to that as well. All right. Well, thanks for your time today. And uh, thank you for listening at home. Hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, if you did, be sure to leave us a comment on, on YouTube. If you have any specific questions, maybe we can ask John later in the week to come in and, and check and maybe if he has some time, answer, answer one or two of those. Yeah, uh, if, there's, if, if there's not too many. And if you like this kind of episode, if you want to hear more about this stuff, then definitely let us know that as well. I'm really keen to get more into the like advanced funnel side of things this year with some of our, our, our shows. So let us know how you guys uh, enjoy this one. But that's all for now. We'll see you next week or in two weeks time rather with another episode. Yeah.